The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey gang, a quick serious note before we get to some frivolous football fun. Uh, It is the season of giving and in that spirit, we are throwing our weight behind a fundraiser to raise research money to help cure rare cancers through the wonderful Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. A very good friend of our own, Alex Patakis, actually a former coworker, uh, Pratik Patel, has set up a fundraiser. And if you're hearing this message on December 31st, it means that it's the last day to get your donation matched. So donate five bucks, that becomes 10 bucks. Donate 10 bucks, that becomes 20 bucks. Every little bit helps. Uh, the fundraiser is going to be up through March, so we will be sure to mention it more um, as we go on here. But again, December 31st is the last day for donation matching. Uh, so if you can help, please donate. Now, there's a few ways to get there. If you are on Twitter, follow Pratik at Patel ESPN, P-A-T-E-L-E-S-P-N. And the uh, link and more info is in the pinned tweet in his profile. Anyone not on Twitter can email us here at the APC podcast at gmail.com and uh, we will direct you there. And we will also uh, throw a link up on the blog post at acmepackingcompany.com as well. So if you can donate, uh, please do. And with that, please enjoy the show. It is the APC podcast. From acmepackingcompany.com, Acme Packing Company, APC. That's what that stands for, in case you didn't know that. And SB Nation, I am Zach Rapport, um, at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Follow the show at the APC pod on Twitter. And um, the season, it's it's over. The season's over. <laughs> it's over. I'm kidding. The regular season is over. It seems like only yesterday that uh, we were welcoming this handsome new head coach into our lives and getting set to uh, greet the beginning of another season of joy and teeth gnashing and drunk tweeting. But alas, uh, the regular season is is now over as I shed a solitary tear into, into my beer here. And um, the Packers, of course, beat the Detroit Lions 23-20 to to finish out the season on a uh, Mason Crosby walk-off boot. So the Packers sweep the division. They go 13-3. and on the year and secure the two seed in the NFC playoffs after the uh, Niners beat the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. So the Packers get get a week off. They advance to the divisional round uh, where they will host a game at Lambeau Field. And um, 
gotta say that feels that feels pretty awesome after two pretty uh, crappy seasons of Packers football. And here's a fun stat before we get started. The Packers beat the Lions twice this year and had the lead in those games for a combined zero seconds of regulation time. And I think that kind of sums up this Packers season. So let's just get right into it. Firstly, a special treat pinch hitting for Alex Patakis, who is uh, sadly down with the flu um, today. We send him our, our positive vibes. It is the big boss, our fearless leader, Evan Tex Western. Now, Tex, firstly, thank you for hopping on last minute. And secondly, when I reached out to you to see if you could do uh, the podcast today, you said that Mrs. Tex would be happy to be rid of you for a while um, after you got her stuck in the basement for two hours. So firstly, hello. And secondly, <laughs> please explain what that means. Yeah. Hi, guys. Um, we we got a, uh, a new refrigerator from a neighbor um, to be the, the full size beer fridge down in the basement. And our basement stairs kind of jog about 30 degrees to the left. And the fridge was on a on an appliance dolly and was we went down the stairs, thought we were good and got stuck. So needed to call in some reinforcements. We, we were able to haul it out and uh, and eventually get it down into place. But um, yeah, after about two hours of um, of Ms. Tex uh, being pretty, pretty grumpy <laughs> downstairs, but and rightfully so. So it was, uh, I'll, I'll take the blame for that one. But we now have a, a full size beer fridge and we're good. Nice. That's awesome. I've I've definitely been that person trapped uh, by furniture um, <laughs> on the other side of of uh, some stairs. But not, you said your stairs uh, jog about 30 degrees to the left. And uh, it looked like a lot of Aaron Rodgers passes were jogging about 30 degrees to the oh. left in, in this game. And, and I'm sure we will get into that. But um, we are joined as well uh, behind enemy lines in Detroit, Michigan. Rumor has it he was boots on the ground inside Ford Field on Sunday. It's Ben Foldy. How are you, man? I'm good. I just saw the Packers play live for the second time in my life. What was the first time? I want to say 2004, I want to say. December 19th or 21st, Brett Favre-led loss against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oof. Like the Fred Taylor, Byron Leftwich Jaguars. Oof. It was the game where you might, like really the only memorable thing that happened was uh, Robert Ferguson got his head taken Oof. off by... Darius. Yes, yes, I do remember that. I yeah, do as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like a really cold game for that to happen. Like you're just like, yeah, I really hope he's okay, but I also need him to get off the field because it's like negative twenty five. What was the uh, what was the visiting fan experience like in the stadium there? Were uh, were fans hassling you, having a good time? No, 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 no. Visiting fans were fine. I even like did my best to get into it. Like the guy directly behind me was said at one like really early on in the game that he hoped that Rogers uh, dislocated his elbow. Ooh. And, uh, you know, and then I think shortly after that, I mean, it was like, I think it might have been their first drive of the game. He threw a pretty good completion to Devante, and I turned around, pointed at my elbow, and said it looked fine. <laughs> um, but then we, we got along after that. Nice. I just, yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't need to get grumpy, but yeah. I just hate that kind of shit. Yeah, same. All right, guys, uh, for the last time in the regular season this year, Let's get into our note nugs, notable nuggets. We call them note nugs. Hashtag note nugs. Tweet at us after every game at the APC pod and let us know what you thought. A little bite size nugget, a takeaway from the game. And I will get us started. I'm going to take the bait, you guys, and I'm going to talk about the quarterback because to say that he missed some throws on Sunday feels like a supreme understatement. And um, he threw, I think Rodgers threw 55 passes, and I felt like 15 of them sailed like two yards beyond the receiver 
Um, and in fact, at wait, some point, wait, wait, wait. There's no way he threw 55. He threw fi- yep, yeah, he threw 55 yep. passes. Jesus Christ! Yep. I was at the game and it didn't seem <laughs> yep. like that. Yep, a quiet, a quiet 55. He always seems to do that against the Lions too. It's the weirdest. How thing many in of those Detroit. were like? overthrowing james jones because that's like all i remember it's just like uh james jones you having a flashback there sorry aaron jones <laughs> uh there were definitely a, a few of those in fact at some point i was so frustrated that i texted a few people maybe even both of you um yep. at some point that i'm gonna need a formal apology from rogers after this game i'm gonna need him to like come to the mic and say guys i suck today and i gotta play better but i want to pause there uh, before people think that I'm, I'm doing like a heel turn and going all anti Rogers here because, you know, the game ended. I ate some tacos. I pet my dog. I got a good night's sleep. And then I watched the game again a couple hours ago. And and I will say this. Rogers looks better on the second watch than he did in real time. And uh, it's because of this trend that we've talked about all year um, that the only consistent thing about this offense is inconsistency. Uh, some of those overthrows were on Rodgers, no doubt about it. Um, but you can't blame the footwork. I tried to blame the footwork. Some of those poor throws came uh, with poor footwork, but um, so did the dime to Adams near the end of the second quarter uh, to get them in field goal range, not to mention the laser to Lazard for the touchdown. I mean, my goodness, that throw. Um, yeah, He just missed some of those throws and, and other throws. I think they were good, but the receiver was off, whether the timing was off or they allowed themselves to get knocked off their spot or in the case of MVS, like running oddly at like half speed on deep routes. I think something's not right with that guy, Um, whether it's his health or or getting his head in the game. I'm not uh, qualified to say, but um, I'm going to go off on a rant here. But I just want to summarize by saying that I think that Rodgers deserves criticism um, but I've seen a lot of piling on in the Twitter sphere, and I just think, as always, that it's it's more complicated than that. Tex, I, I see you uh, nodding. Do you agree that it's more complicated, or do you just want to come out and say, nope, this is Rogers' worst game, he's done, and fire up the college scouting tape? <laughs> no, I, I think um, Rogers was a primary reason why the offense stunk in the first half, and he was a primary reason why it was successful in the second half. Um, and a lot of that I think was due to the second half, the, the offense really moved to more of the rhythm throws, the shorter throws, um, kind of getting him comfortable. But I I saw, I think PFF had it that he attempted 17 passes of 20 yards or more, uh, in, in the air. And as far as I could count, I think he only completed three of them. Now, if that was a scheme thing, if that was something that they game planned against Detroit and they were, they were trying to dial up those deep shots, I guess that's one thing. My my concern would be if that was just, you know, Rogers going a little gunslinger. Um, clearly it wasn't working and it wasn't working early. And that's that's where I have a little a little bit of concern. But you know, coming out of the half, it seemed like they dialed it in a little bit. Um, I don't know if, you know, he and LaFleur kind of chatted about things a little bit or what, but um he was much more willing to take what the defense was giving him in the second half, and that led to that ninety five yard touchdown drive and then the um you know, yeah, the, the touchdown to Lazard, which was just a, a magnificent ball. Um, so, like you said, consistently inconsistent. He he still got those glimpses of just magnificent Rogers, vintage Rogers throws. 
It's just that it's it's not nearly consistent enough to make that the focal point mm. of your offense. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, ben, I also I see you nodding over there. You you saw it in person. Um, are you ready to replace Rodgers or what? <laughs> I don't, I'm not ready to replace him, but I do think that if if you're gonna, you know, I would like to start working on getting the replacement in in the organization. Let's say that. What happened to the old Ron Wolf philosophy of just dra- trying to draft a good quarterback every single year? It seems like they haven't done that in a while. I don't know. I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they thought they were doing that with the Kaiser trade, and uh, didn't work out. Oof. Misjudgment. Speaking of which, did we did we ever thank Brett Hundley for uh... formally? No, I don't think we did. Yeah, <laughs> for for giving the Packers a shot at home field yeah. last night. Well, and and the night and last week, I was going to play the primetime drop, uh, primetime music, and give him a little nod, but I don't have it on my board anymore. So, merp merp. All right, Ben, give me your note nug. You know, early on in the season, I when Raven Green got hurt, I said that I thought that was maybe the most important injury that the defense could suffer. Uh, I think that actually kind of turned out to be more true than I even meant it to be back then. But I just want to give a shout out to like all the depth on the roster that is really stepping up, like Shandon Sullivan and the two guys on the offensive line. And, you know, it was really you know, even Tyler Irvin, who I've been kind of standing for the whole time. You've been like, mini caping for him. You got a little cape. It's like six inches long hanging off the back of your look, neck there. <laughs> I genuinely thought he was a great prospect coming out of college. And I was kind of, always kind of weirded out that he didn't do more in Texas. Um, so, yeah. So it's just good to see, you know, I think for all the ways in which this team kind of doesn't look like a dominant playoff threat, they do have a lot more depth than they've had in most years recently. You know, I mean, there there were always, I feel like every season there was something like, oh, you know, I mean, look, how long ago was it that, you know, we're in the NFC Championship game with Ladarius Gunter trying to cover Julio Jones, right? Oh like, and we, we're just not uh. going to be in that situation anymore. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, so I, I do want to, I want to give a shout out to Gutekunst, who I think has done a pretty good job of, of uh, turning over this roster in a way yeah. that, can kind of compete throughout the season. And that's, you know, that said, we've had really good injury luck, knock on wood, but, you know, the depth is there too. But it was fortuitous. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Gutekunst and, and his uh, his uh, cunning uh, to get Lucas Patrick signed uh, to that extension. And then, uh, you know, a few days ago, and then he gets pressed into duty in this game and, and does an admirable job. Um, I just want to point out on the video chat for the listeners that, um, Ben, you mentioned uh, Ladarius Gunter and Tex. I think you like threw up a little bit in your mouth or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's not a, a fun memory for me whatsoever. So it's even though Jair Alexander did not have a particularly good day, um, it feels a lot better having him and Kevin King and um, you know a veteran like Tremont Williams out there against uh, you know some some top flight receivers than um, you know guys like Gunter and Demarius Randall playing out of position yeah. and. So yeah, on. but Ben, uh, not to skip over your point, I I uh, I think it's um, it's only right to give Gudekunst uh, some credit here. He's probably not going to get um, any nods for Executive of the Year, I don't think. But um, but I think he's he's worthy uh, in that conversation um, for all the reasons you just mentioned. And um, Tex, let's move it on over to you and uh, give me your note, Nug man. Yeah, mine's very much in the same vein, and and it's about Gudikinst in particular, but it's in the midseason acquisitions that he has made that have really paid off. So you mentioned Tyler Irvin, um, given the Packers a spark in the return game, you know, both both punt returns and kick returns. It's claiming a guy like Jared Veldier 
um, off of waivers when he decides to come back from retirement. And then, you know, he's pressed into duty in week 17 and does a really good job um, against a, a couple of, you know, pretty decent Lions edge rushers. Um, it, it's guys like Chandon Sullivan who are now playing 20, 30 snaps a game in that, uh, that, that kind of DB heavy defense that Mike Pettin likes to run. Um, and so it, it's those types of acquisitions that we never really would have seen from Ted Thompson. And, and we saw that a little bit last year with Gutekunst kind of doing that, churning over the bottom of the roster a little bit, um, looking outside the organization to fill those, you know, 50 through 53 slots on the roster. But um, this year he's really done, I think, a great job with with doing that. Um, he's found some guys who, um, like with Irvin, I mean, they, they can not only have roles on special teams, but, you know, there's clearly a role for him on offense. Um, and, and just identifying talent, finding it in, in unusual places, um, and giving these guys to the coaching staff to, to do something with and, and telling them, look, find these guys have some skills, find a way to get them involved and, and get them to help this football team. And, um, and they've done a great job. So yeah, my hats are off to, is off to Goody. Um, not just for the big signings that he made, which obviously the Smith brothers have been, have been a, a huge part of this turnaround, but, um, but yeah, filling out the, the back end of the roster with, with really, um, useful depth players that um, that came in came to Green Bay in in ways that they wouldn't have under Thompson. Yeah. Speaking speaking of of depth, uh, just some breaking news: Tony Brown signed with the Bengals, and uh, hats off to him because uh, I was a big Tony season, Brown Tony. fan. Yeah, I really like Tony I Brown. I did too. I did too. I wish Me him too. nothing but the yeah. best. Yeah, I mean, and and you mentioned all of the, the mid-season acquisitions, and that's to say nothing of, uh, of some of the draft picks who have really panned out. I mean, Jair Alexander. You mentioned him not having a particularly good game. I seem to remember the uh, uh, the pass interference call, which I thought was a, a touchdown-saving play where he dove at the receiver's feet deliberately um, interfering with the play. Yeah, I think I remember that that ended up – Detroit ended up punting on that drive, if I yes. recall correctly. Yeah. So, so, yeah, that's um, – Obviously, that's a that's a huge uh, swing that uh, the defense is able to get off the field with without giving up any points and in a in a three point game like that. Um, he gave up that big completion to Galladay. I think it was on the Lions' second touchdown drive. Um, that one, it looked like the he just big, got deep cooked. ones. Yeah, yeah, but he from from looking at it on TV, it looked like he was maybe expecting some safety help too. So I'm not sure if that's entirely on him. Um, and then he took that dumb penalty. Um, when he was jawing with with somebody, I can't remember if that was Amendola or or one of the one of the other Lions receivers, um, but yeah, it, it wasn't a great game. But I, I fully expect him to bounce back in two weeks, regardless of you know who were, who the Packers are playing against. Um, he's too talented not to, and um, you know he's he's every bit the the leader on the the back end of that defense, and and they kind of go as he goes. So I'm looking forward to seeing him bounce back. Totally, Jair. I love you, man. <laughs> return, return my phone calls. I saw some Jair jerseys at the stadium. Excellent. He's, he's catching nice. on as of. Nice. All right, guys. Uh, let's get to some listener note nugs again at the APC pod on Twitter as well as uh, via email, the APC podcast at gmail.com. We're going to start with Joe at work who tweets in Packers are one game away from an NFC championship game, and that is all that matters. Hashtag note nugs. Uh, I wanted to start off with an optimistic note because during that game, there was a lot of emotional tweeting. I was guilty of some of it, um, and uh, people were really piling on uh, Rodgers and the Packers, and there's a, a lot of uh, 
I think negative sentiment about oh they're going to be one and done and all this stuff. And let's just, yeah, let's just let's just enjoy some playoff football. God damn it! All right, we are moving on. Uh, here's a two for first from Jared. He says Lafleur needs a lot of growth as a play caller, but he's clearly figured out how to hold this team together so they could claw their way back from an upset. And then I want to read another uh, another tweet that came in from John. Uh, that says Lafleur has grown a lot and started using Lazard over and over as the season wore on. He even we even saw slants with three exclamation points, actually four exclamation points. How Lafleur isn't at least in the coach of the year discussion is beyond me. So we've got uh, we've got uh, one guy in Jared saying that uh, Lafleur needs a lot of growth, and then we've got another guy in John saying that uh, he's a coach of the year candidate and i wanted to spotlight these two and and turn it over to you guys uh for your feelings but i felt like lafleur actually called probably one of his best games of the year uh, uh in in detroit um i saw a lot of receivers running free i saw a lot of schemed production things that we were like literally begging for last year that just they couldn't have whether it was the scheme or the roster. It's probably a little A and a little a B. Things we were begging for. I saw it there. They just weren't executing. So when I see guys running free, I'm I'm happy. You just gotta you just gotta execute on those plays. Ben, I see you nodding. Yeah, I mean, I thought I I think I texted you during the game that I thought it was it was uh, one of the first best called games, regardless of of kind of. Uh performance i guess on the stat sheet but i in terms of scheming guys open and all that i mean i it again like you know i was in the lower bowl you know i don't have the best view but um i i thought that it looked like he was getting people open all the time yeah i mean you think back to those those deep balls that rogers kept throwing early on i mean they were the open receivers. They weren't 50-50 balls that he was throwing and just kind of overthrowing them. I mean, two two of them, Tyler Irvin on those wheel routes, when he got wide open out of the backfield, matched up against the linebacker. Um, you know, a couple to Lazard and, and MVS. And that that speaks to the the play calling and and the scheming of, of the passing concepts and things. Um, and he did a good job, I think, mixing the run in, too, for the most part. Um, might have gotten away from it a little bit at a couple of points, but um, definitely came back to it um, and and ran the offense through Aaron Jones when it needed to. And he also, I think that screen call at the end of the game was just brilliant. Um, after having, you know, f- again, 50-some passes, not throwing a single screen all game, to break that out in the situation that they did um was was perfect and and obviously the the results speak for themselves on that one so um yeah i'm with you guys i i mentioned i think in a, one of the walkthroughs a while back when we were tra- talking about grading lafleur's first half or first three quarters of the season um i said that i thought it needed to be broken down into separate categories for play calling and head coaching um and i think from a head coaching perspective i think he's he's done a fantastic job i think there have been some hiccups in play calling but uh, ultimately, I think those are things that will improve with time and experience and, and self-scouting. But, um, but that I think this past game was, was a good example of, of what LaFleur's offense can be. Um, it, it just was, was hurt by the fact that his quarterback was inaccurate in the first half. And he was able to adjust in the third quarter, and they were able to, to come back and get the victory. Yeah, indeed. Uh <laughs> We've got a a note note coming in from Gareth who says, uh, I've been quiet on this the entire season, but I have to say something, something in all caps, after this game, 
The commentators were absolutely god awful. Uh, Tex, that's you sighing. I actually I watched some of this game on on mute. Uh, old man status. That's generally what I like to do, unless it is an A team um, that I am very happy with. I, so I actually don't remember who was calling this game. Do you remember who called the game? And it seems yeah, like you it, agree. It was it was Kevin Burkhardt and Charles Davis who have been Fox's number two team all year. And Charles Davis had a brutal game. I mean, he was calling guys by the wrong name. He was stumbling over his words repeatedly. It was bad. Burkhart wasn't bad from a play-by-play standpoint, although there were a couple of times when there were just random, weird, long pauses that that normally you would expect a play-by-play guy to to be filling in. But yeah, it was a bad game. I I, I wish that Kevin Harlan called games on Fox instead of on CBS so that we'd get more of a chance to hear him because he is, as far as I'm concerned, he's not a, an A-team guy for any of the three networks, but he is the best play-by-play guy in in covering football today. Um, he's the one who, I mean, obviously he's, he's Bob Harlan's son. So there's a Packers connection there and and we're spoiled with him during the preseason. But, um, he did that read of the, the cat being on the field when he was doing the radio broadcast, (laughs) the the Giants and Cowboys game. Um, he did the one of a a guy getting tackled in a 49ers game a couple years ago. And then he was doing one of the, I think it was, he was calling the chiefs game on Sunday and he was um, he was calling both the Chiefs game as it happened, and he was calling out the action in the Dolphins comeback against um, against New England that ended up with the touchdown and, and giving the Chiefs the two seed. So I mean, he's as good. He's as So it Galaxy gets. Brain, he's calling two games at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> he, he absolutely was. It was fantastic, and and he's he's great. And it just it stinks that he's on CBS and and that Packers fans don't get to hear him more often because um, I think for my money he's the best there is right now. Yeah. Um, all right. This is just a short episode this week, and um, we'll be back next week to preview the divisional playoff match, as that will obviously be decided uh, after this coming weekend. Um, but I did want to touch on the NFC games this weekend because obviously they will decide who the Packers play. Uh, the Vikings play at New Orleans, and the Seahawks uh, will be playing at Philadelphia. So uh, the Packers will get the best seeded. Uh, remaining NFC team uh, from that group. So I believe that's either hosting the Seahawks, the Eagles, or the Saints. Do I have that right? Yeah. Um, So if I had to rank these teams in terms of who I most want to play, I would say, give me the the Eagles who are hot, but um, are also extremely banged up. And then the Seahawks, uh, second place, um, who are also banged up, but I'm just like, they got that mojo, man. So I'm I'm a little more scared of them. Um, and then the Saints are the team that I think I would least uh, want to see. Now that's, but I truly believe that I think the Packers can win against any of these teams uh, at Lambeau in January. I think that's totally possible. But I digress. Ben, if you had to rank these uh, possible opponents, what do you got? Uh, I'd probably most want to see the Eagles. I mean, I think that's pretty safe. Who would I least want to see? I guess the Saints. In terms of, uh, yeah, I feel like the Saints would be the 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 biggest threat. Yeah, Tex, are we are we all in agreement here? No, so so I'm not so sure. Yay, disagreement. Yeah, I think for <laughs> for Philly, the question is going to be if Zach Ertz is going to be healthy, um, because we've seen how the Packers struggle against teams with multiple good receiving tight ends and, and Ertz and Goddard are fantastic. Um, and, and that defense has improved as the season's gone along. And I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in the fact that they won at Lambeau in September, but 
there's a little something there. Seattle doesn't really scare me, even though Russell Wilson can be a magician at times. But um, there's there's nothing really about that defense that scares me, especially again in Green Bay. And so I'd probably go I'd probably go Seahawks, Eagles, Saints. But again, I feel it the same way that you guys do. I think the Saints would be a winnable matchup too, because yeah. getting that home game is huge. Uh, I can't remember the last time Drew Brees went outdoors in any sort of inclement weather and played well. So, mm-hmm. frankly, he doesn't scare me um, from a quarterback matchup standpoint. Um, and that defense for New Orleans is pretty banged up, too. Yeah. So they were playing a bad Carolina team um, that had basically given up on the season you know, in, in Week 17. And I'm not too worried about the fact that they put up whatever 40-some points on, on Carolina. Um, not, none of those three teams would scare me to the point of you know being particularly concerned about any one of them. I think I'm probably picking the Packers straight up in, in any of those three games against any of those teams at home. But you're, you're also leaving out the Taysom Hill revenge game. <laughs> Ooh, like, spicy. I like it. There you can't go. Can't discount that. But to your point about um, uh, Drew Brees, and meaning no disrespect because I think he's an, an all-timer, um, Last year, and I think as notable this year as well, by the end of the season, he's got almost no deep ball, um, yep. especially outside. And that was evident. I know they scored a bunch of points uh, against Carolina, but um, but you, there, w- there was uh, one, maybe two deep balls if you uh, rewatch that game where it's just like, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing under there. So uh, I feel pretty good about, like you said, in inclement weather, him coming into Lambeau. Um, I don't feel great about it, but I feel pretty good. I feel enough to be optimistic, you know, not like some of these, some of these just negative, uh, negative people on Twitter, are just like one and done worst 13 and three team, uh, in the history of all mankind. I don't know. I don't really, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I'm happy. Well, and if, any, and if anybody <laughs> throws that out you, you can throw out the, the football outsider stat that the Packers are the second worst 13 and three team ever. So yeah, take that. That was uh by, by their DVOA metric. They're, they're only the second worst. And I think of the, the, the 10 worst 13 and three teams, I think five or six of them had at least won their, their at least one playoff game. Um, so this is by no means a guarantee that this is a one and done team. So they are scraping the bottom of the barrel, but they're not, <laughs> touching All the, the physical the bottom. bottom of the, of the actual <laughs> barrel. <laughs> All right. Um, before, before we head out, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to hit the game show music because, uh, the regular season is over. And that means that it is also the end of the APC podcast listener pick em league. So we finally have our winner clawing back from relative obscurity in the middle of the season. Ben, our good buddy, Lauren summer in first place. Narrowly Woo-hoo! defeating Justin DeMoss West House by uh, by three three points. So congratulations to Lauren. I already reached out to you on Twitter, and um, we'll get you some stupid trophy. Yeah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Congratulations, and thank you for playing. It's cool that um, we can convince like thirty five to forty people to do a totally free pick 'em, where every week they have to like actually do work, and there's like no real promised reward that's nice it's nice thanks guys i appreciate that it's fun (laughs) um all right and with that i think we are going to hit the polka and um we're gonna watch some wild car weekend football um and put our feet up and not have to gnash our teeth and 
furiously uh, update our Twitter feeds every 30 seconds every after like every single play. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Tex, thanks for joining, man. Really appreciate it. Glad I could make it. Looking, uh, looking forward to two weeks from now. Hells yeah. And uh, thank you to Ben as well. Um, at Tex Western on Twitter. Is that right? That's right. At Tex Western. I got that right. Yep. At Ben Foldy. At Zach Rapport. I'm a professional. At the APC Pod. And of course, uh, at Alex Patakis, who could not join us today. Follow us all for inane Packers uh, chatter and other, you know, other topics. All right. This is the part of the show where, like, the polka happens and I just sort of, like, I fizzle out. I don't know what else to say. So uh, the Packers are going to advance to the divisional round of the playoffs. I don't know what else to say. Uh, after two years uh, of no playoff action, of losing Packers football, um, if you're feeling nervous, if you're feeling negative, um, stop. Just stop it. Just stop. Why do you watch football? The Packers are in the playoffs. Let's just root for a win. Be happy. Just be happy. Come on. Asking a lot. <laughs> oh, the foldiest quote ever. All right, we're out of here. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.